0: And now we're looking to be more involved in the conversation. So creating content specifically for social or creating content about what people are sharing on social and just sort of recognizing that that is an audience that we we want to serve and we can't serve them in the same way that we, you know, serve the traditional print audience.
1: Any good digital journalist knows that social media is no longer an afterthought. It's an integral part of the reporting process. I'm Michael O'Connell, and you're listening to It's All Journalism. Today, we're talking on Skype to Emily Risto, the social media and mobile editor for the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. Welcome to the podcast, Emily.
0: Hi, thanks for having me.
1: So I wanted to have a podcast conversation with you because I had read this great article that you had written for Better News called How the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel Grew Its Facebook Reach Six Times in a Year which is, you know, if you have any experience in trying to get engagement on Facebook, you realize that's a pretty big thing. So I'm glad you're on the, in the conversation. So so first of all, you know, I always like to start where people come from. So what got you into journalism?
0: Kind of as far back as I can remember, I've been interested in journalism. Um, both my parents started their careers in journalism. So it's something that was kind of always around. So, you know, I got involved um, in high school with restarting our student newspaper and then I went on to study journalism at the Missouri School of Journalism, and there I really focused on print journalism and copy editing, which was also what my first job was. But you know, as I sort of saw which way the industry was headed, I sort of you know gravitated toward more digital things. You can do online production. And then in the past couple of years, I got more involved in social media and mobile.
1: So, you know, obviously you started out in things that were rather traditional in journalism. You get into a digital newsroom and uh, you sort you go towards uh, social media. You know, what are your thoughts at that point?
0: You know, when you're doing like design and copy editing, you are thinking about the audience and how they're receiving that information. So I think you have kind of a similar mindset with social media, but you have the advantage of having, you know, actual engagement back and forth, not just broadcasting
1: Now, this article that you wrote about, you know, the Journal Sentinel's uh, social media campaign, is it particularly for Facebook, or or were you involved in other platforms as well?
0: This project was part of the Night Lenfest Newsroom Initiative program that we are involved in. One of the things we really wanted to focus on was digital storytelling, and we knew that a big part of that needed to be social media. So we first looked at our flagship Facebook because that's where we had our biggest audience, and that was what was driving the most traffic to our website. But as we found success there, we have sort of rolled out strategies on other platforms too, so Instagram and sort of looking at how we're doing Twitter.
1: Okay, so let's let's look back at the the beginning of this. Where was I mean? You said that the your flagship Facebook was getting a lot of audience at that point, or at least was getting the most.
0: Well, media I, speaking. Yeah, I, I wouldn't say a lot of audience. We definitely had room to grow, which is why we were able to grow so much. But
1: Yeah, well, if you start at zero, yeah. <laughs> you, you can't go below zero on, on social media, I don't think. Although that may happen with with the way Facebook is going these days. But anyway, you know, at that point, what was your thinking is like, okay, here's Facebook. This is really kind of where we should put our effort, you know, what were your thoughts on coming up with the strategy?
0: Sort of when we first started, it would be generous to say that we had any sort of social media strategy at all. We were just, you know, when stories got posted online, which was often tied to the print deadline at that point, you know, we were trying to get them up on Facebook at some point, you know, send a tweet. We weren't really organized or strategic in how we were doing anything. So our first step was to really just set a schedule for Facebook so that we could figure out what was working and what wasn't with a little bit more structure, because at the when we started, it was just a little bit chaotic. So we came up with a schedule sort of down to the half hour on Facebook, skipping some half hours, you know, depending on the time of day and whether the audience was online, and just sort of looked at what type of content do we want at that time, whether it be like a certain subject or a certain type, if it's like a native video or photos versus just a link share. And then once we established that schedule, we followed it religiously for a couple months so we'd have data to actually look at to see how we were doing.
1: Because, you know, if if you're just relying, first of all, if you're just relying on your print schedule, I mean, it's, you know, stories are going to get posted whenever they're going to get posted. And that doesn't necessarily mean that there's going to be an audience there.
0: You know, in the background of all this, or I guess more in the the foreground, was that we were redoing how we were doing digitally just across the board. So we were, you know, paying attention to posting stories throughout the day on our website and posting stories when we had an audience on the website. So we were separating the digital posting from the print deadlines on that end too. And then oftentimes those digital posting times weren't coordinated at all with the social posting times either.
1: Were you relying on reporters to post for their stories or did you have sort of dedicated staff to do that?
0: Yeah, so what we did is we um, decided to have a point person on each shift for our flagship page. So that was either me or one of our other online producers. And one of the reasons we did that is because, you know, so we could follow the schedule that we had set, but also because we wanted to have a consistent voice on social. So that was a little bit easier to control with a smaller group of people posting. So if reporters had suggestions about Certain stories that they think would do well on social, whether it be their own or a colleague's, or they had ideas for social share language, we have a Slack channel set up where people can submit those ideas. And we definitely did, you know, use them and and relied on that input too. But we found it easier to have just sort of a designated point person for Facebook on each shift.
1: So one of the things that you were – in your article that you were talking about is, you know – identifying stories that you thought would do well on on social. And, and I imagine you you develop that sort of sense by looking at the data and seeing what things previously done well. So what type of stories tended to do better?
0: Some of it depends a little bit on the time of day. So if we have, you know, like a, a hard news story sort of late morning as people are thinking about, oh, it's lunchtime and, you know, they, they're probably not ready to like settle in and read a harder news story. So the time of day matters a little bit with it, too. But basically, you just sort of have to think of how a person and not a journalist, but like a regular person uses social media and sort of what they're looking for and how what they're looking for changes like throughout the day.
1: Well, let me ask you something about the audience member. You know, how do you identify who your audience is? Do you have like a general person you're shooting for or You know, obviously, maybe somebody is really into football and basketball, but they're not going to read your your hard news story. Were you targeting times and stories around when particular types of readers would be coming to your website?
0: So we found that, like with sports in particular, the evening hours, those posts, like, perform better unless it was something that you'd think of in more of, like, a traditional, like, social story sense, which is something, that, like, a topic that people are already discussing on social platforms. So we found stories that really got it sort of, like, the fan base and sort of that identity of, like, I am a Packers fan or I am a Brewers fan do pretty well for us on – the flagship Facebook page. But for something that gets a little bit more technical, you know, we'll look to our sports Facebook page because we know that that audience is there where it's more, it might be more of like a broader audience on the flagship page.
1: Okay, so broader, broader audience on the flagship page. How about breaking news? I mean, I think we're all, as we're posting things on, on social media, the idea that we want people to come to us as a source for breaking news. Did, you know, how did this figure into your strategy?
0: Our strategy has always been that breaking news trumps the schedule. Like if something happens and people are talking about it now and people want to know about it now, we're gonna get it on, you know, Facebook and Twitter right away. We're not gonna wait until later in the day. And if it's a developing story, we'll find other ways to share it outside of just that one story link. So we might do, you know, a few photos a couple hours later with an update and then a, you know, in the share line a link to the full story. Or we'll have a video that we'll share so if, so we can share that breaking news later in the day when there's a bigger audience on Facebook, but also be able to share it right when it's happening.
1: You know, I think you gave a couple examples in there of, of how you would engage your audience. So just a, a, a typical post that's on your schedule, you know, how do you uh, encourage engagement through, you know, maybe the language, the photo choice or whatever when you do the original post? But then as the, you know, as the post is up there for a while, what do, you, what do you try to do to, you know, get people to interact with the story or maybe, you know, begin a discussion about it?
0: One thing um, that we are focusing on particularly right now, which sort of mirrors something that we did very early on in this strategy, is sort of the identity of what it is to be a Wisconsinite. So we've done some sort of, you know, social cards, like visual posts, you know, like, we did a Wisconsin summer bucket list post. We've done like a bingo card for different activities during the summer. And when we post those, you know, it's usually with a question. We're using emojis. We're having a little bit more fun to encourage some conversation. And then we may also, on those, like hop into the comments with a story that's related to something that someone mentioned or something like that.
1: So would you would you like someone's comment or would you maybe respond with, you know, oh, here's, here's a link to that has to an earlier story that might have more context?
0: Oh, yeah. When we when we post something like that, we're definitely keeping an eye on the comments to see if there's a way, yeah, that we react to theirs or, or jump in and provide some more content. And then just sort of the newsroom staff in general, since they all all also live here, you know, have opinions. So they can, you know, jump in as themselves sometimes and offer um, feedback and links too.
1: Okay. So, you know, what do you see as some of the big successes that came out of this, this change in the strategy? I know the article you talk about, like, increasing... Your traffic or engagement would you say that you're increasing or likes or followers?
0: So we more than doubled our page likes within like a year and a half of doing this strategy. So we're getting bigger reach on stories. But our focus now, because of the algorithm changes with Facebook, is really about engagement first. So are people going to share these posts? Are they going to react? Are they going to comment? And then we see that the reach is rewarded from that, and then, you know, link clicks off of that, too. I think our biggest success, though, has been just changing the mentality in the newsroom where we're creating content specifically for these social platforms. Because we had really, you know, when we first started, what we were really doing was posting, you know, stories written for print online and then posting those print stories as links on Facebook. And now um, we're looking to be more involved in the conversation. So creating content specifically for social or creating content about what people are sharing on social, and just sort of recognizing that that is an audience that we we want to serve and we can't serve them in the same way that we, you know serve the traditional print audience.
1: When you're sitting there and you're encouraging that engagement and likes on your page, which of course, Expand your reach of the stories and the, the people are able to see. Were you able to see a, a difference in the click-through?
0: We have steadily increased like the percentage of our traffic that's coming from social as part of this strategy, and you know a lot of that is n- not just what we're sharing on our flagship page, but that we're now creating content that other people are wanting to share with their friends and family.
1: So when you say you're creating content specifically to be shared. I mean, what are we talking about? I know most people, when they're thinking of posting online, they'll post a link to a story or maybe they'll post some photos or maybe they even do a Facebook Live. I mean, what type of things are you doing?
0: There's a few sort of different categories of that. The first one is, you know, those like sort of social cards or images that we're creating specifically for Facebook and also video. So in that case, what we're hoping is that people who do follow our page We'll share those, and then their friends and family will see our content and maybe also, you know, want to follow us. And then we also are creating stories based off of what people are already talking about on social media. And it might be that, hey, this local person created this video and it's doing really well. Let's provide some of the backstory because people are sharing this video and they're seeing it, but, you know, then they're, they're obviously interested in it. So what more can we tell them about it?
1: That's actually pretty smart because you've already got something that's proved that it's doing well. And then you sort of bring it under your fold with some reporting and other elements. Then, you know, you get to sort of jump on the back, piggyback on the back of uh, of that, you know, positive engagement that they're already getting.
0: Right. And what we, um, you know, tell reporters in our newsroom is you know sometimes something will pop up online that people are talking about. One example I can think of is when Amazon was looking for like a second headquarters location. You know, Milwaukee had put in a bid, as did you know nearly every other city in the US. And our reporters here knew from their expertise like Milwaukee doesn't stand a chance. So they were a little bit reluctant to write something, but then you know, we sort of turned back to them and said, well we know this and other people don't so Let's really use this as an opportunity to, to show our expertise and join the conversation with that knowledge.
1: That's actually kind of neat because then you could say, OK, our reporters, we, you know, the people we talk to seem to think that this isn't going to happen. But, you know, what do you think? And, you know, why why shouldn't walk Milwaukee be part of this conversation and then sort of grow that story out of it? Do, have you had many opportunities where something that came out of social showed up not only on the website but the the paper as well?
0: One fun example from last summer was one of our interns actually um, had been seeing a lot of photos and posts about a girls' soccer team in Madison where a lot of the players had cut their hair very short and they were being teased by other teams saying that they looked like boys and they were being asked to like show their birth certificates in some cases to prove that they were girls. So she had seen that on Facebook and, you know, had done, you know, done the work reporting, talked to the families, talked to the kids. And had written this story with just sort of a, a social online audience in mind, and that ended up not just running in print for us, but running on the cover of USA Today.
1: Well, that's pretty cool. It's neat when you're able to do something sort of turn the uh, turn the tables a little bit. And you're, your digital's feeding your print.
0: Yeah, and I think I mean I think a, a big part of what works about that is when you're thinking about creating content for social, you're really thinking about the audience first. Like, what are they interested in? What are they going to engage with? And that's just, I think, a good mentality in, in general when you're thinking content creation. So, you know, if that social audience is going to like it, other people are probably going to be interested, including the people in this case who are making the decisions about what's running in print.
1: Yeah, that's that's a nice thing about – because the other thing is you're not really kind of doing this in the dark, that you're, you know, making these these conscious decisions to create this type of content that you're hoping is going to generate Engagement, you know, and grow your reach, and then you're you're looking at the data that's going to tell you what's being successful and what's not, and then you can adjust to that. So that's that's one of the great things about digital journalism in in general is that you you have this opportunity to have your audience basically by what they're clicking, what they're sharing, telling you what they like. You know, not that you know that you don't use news sense in there, but using your news sense. But being informed about what your your audience is particularly interested in makes it easier for you to reach them when you want to bring them something that's serious.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You're creating that connection with maybe some lighter content so that they're around when you have, you know, some more of the serious stuff to share, too.
1: Yeah. Before you mentioned the change in the Facebook algorithm and, you know, have you seen much of a change over the last, you know, six months or so in your traffic and in your engagement?
0: So we did continue to grow, you know, as the algorithm changed, but we did refocus a few of our strategies. We definitely think more about the engagement and sort of whether other people are likely to share the post that we're sharing, because we know that that shares are well rewarded with the algorithm. And we've also seen the sort of misses for us, the stuff that really doesn't seem to get much traction. There's a bigger gap between what doesn't do well and what does do well.
1: I was really kind of surprised looking at our numbers here at Federal News Radio, how our social traffic cha- has changed over the last six months. And so that's why it's so great that your article came out when it did. It's an opportunity for people to, you know, see how how there's been success, you know, maybe look at their own newsroom and, and figure out, okay, what, what is it that we can do differently? To sort of address that. So you think that share is is the, you know, the key thing, one of the key things to be focusing on?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, shares and, and comments, you know, you know, Facebook has said a lot about like meaningful interaction, however they define that. But there has been um, clues there that that, you know, they're looking for some of that back and forth within the comments. So we do see stories that have A lot of comments like, you know, maybe something in the political realm where you are getting like a back and forth, Um, however meaningful that conversation may end up being, getting rewarded with much better reach. Maybe a story about like a restaurant opening that gets a lot of like reactions, but not a whole lot of comments.
1: Right. And so you're not necessarily looking for reactions. You're looking for, you know, hey, somebody comments or something. Hey, somebody shares it with something that that seems to be working better it's it's so funny with facebook it's like it's like trying to i don't know if it's trying to catch a fish or a like a submarine you know try to track a submarine that you can't you can't really see it but it's you see the reactions around it and you try to draw assumptions based on the way it's moving or the things around it are moving i guess
0: yeah, it is definitely uh, constant adjustments.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, none of this is like baking a cake. You know that you're gonna you're gonna mix these ingredients together and it's gonna turn out to be something that's. It would be great. It would be make our lives easier. If, we would have fewer headaches if we did A and B and then C would occur. But that never seems to be be happening. I've seen plenty of stories that I thought would do well on social that did terribly on social, and then turn around and others that for some reason see just sort of took off. And then it's like, okay, so this one didn't do well. This one did did well. What are the two differences? Did you guys do a lot of Facebook Lives and try to, do a to create video-specific for engagement?
0: Yeah, so we had done, you know, when Facebook was really rewarding, I mean, over-rewarding Facebook Live, right? Um, <laughs> we did do a few of those. We had like a regular politics show that we did which I don't think necessarily always, like, capitalized on the real-time engagement that Facebook Live encouraged. But we would, we went out when a nearby community had really bad flooding and, you know, someone walked around and sort of showed everyone what the damage was, answered questions as people asked them in the comments. And that had, like, insane reach. But then more recently, when President Trump was in town, we did a similar live event coverage of the protests outside of the hotel where he was staying. And that had, you know, great engagement as far as like comments and reactions. But the reach was nowhere near what we saw last summer when when those lives were really being rewarded. We definitely do still look for opportunities to go live and take people either, you know, behind the scenes to see things that they don't normally get to see or take them to some event that they can't be at.
1: I just wanted to sort of pin down one thing in particular. So you you think it's important to create content specifically for social platform, as opposed to it has to have some presence on on the digital website?
0: I think it is. And, and, and that was part of our strategy as we were looking to grow our page likes, is that we needed bigger reach. So that's why for us, I am thrilled if we like that Wisconsin bucket list social graphic that we created there was a link you know in the share line for the story it didn't get a ton of link clicks but it got some but what we were really concerned about was that bigger reach on the share so that our Facebook page was being you know exposed to an audience that doesn't already follow it so I'm really happy if we can do some sort of like pure social play like that that gets very big reach even if it doesn't necessarily drive traffic to the website, because it's still getting our our brand out there.
1: Okay, so let's say I'm I'm in a newsroom. And I'm listening to this, and it's like oh, this is kind of some interesting ideas. Three, four things that you would say to somebody who was who's starting thinking about putting together a, a social media strategy to grow their engagement. What would you tell them?
0: Yeah, I think the the first thing is you know pick something to focus on initially. So we picked our flagship Facebook page because there's so many options out there, whether you know Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, Twitter, next you know, whatever. Pick one area to focus on and be really clear about what your goal is, whether it's driving traffic or just increasing followers. And then, you know, give social a seat at the table in you know, your planning meetings and you know, just so that social is involved in that process very early on and it's not an afterthought. And then be really clear about communicating that strategy and the importance to the rest of the newsroom because there there still can be sort of that attitude that social equals clickbait or it can be a little cheap. And it's really not. You know, it's about connecting with that audience and reaching these, these unserved audiences.
1: Yeah. And that's the thing. I mean, this is, this is part of the social, pardon me, this is part of the digital equation that this is how these stories, this information lives online. And part of the distri- distribution model is, you know, making people aware of it through social, because that's what a lot of people come to the, to the internet for is to, to socialize and to share information, to find out stories.
0: Yeah. And sort of one other thing I want to add is when you are thinking about what your strategy is going to be for whatever, you know, social platform you decide, you know, understand that these social platforms were not built for you, a news organization to broadcast. You know, people people go to Facebook to talk about friends and you know talk to their friends and family and share things with them. So really understand that you're like coming into this other space. So you are going to have to ad- adapt to that a little bit.
1: Yeah, that's something that's very difficult for I think a lot of journalists. Hopefully, it's gotten a lot better now that we're we're deeper into the the digital journalism realm. But uh, you know, and and a lot of the print print journalists have been sort of converted over that they begin to understand that you know this is the way things kind of are, and that you, you need to that social is is important. Emily, thank you for coming on the podcast. This has been a great conversation. Uh, I always love learning more about uh, social media and how we can. Uh, you know, distribute our content, get people to read our good content, and uh, social seems to be one way to do it. Thanks.
0: Yeah, thanks for having me.
1: You've been listening to It's All Journalism, a weekly podcast about the changing stage in digital news. Find out more about us and download past episodes at itsalljournalism.com. You can also find us on Stitcher, SoundCloud, Google Play, and Podcast One. It takes a lot of people to put together an episode of It's All Journalism. Nicola Grisco produced this podcast. Amber Healy wrote our web content, Nick Dupre wrote our theme music, Nick Hunter provided a web assist and research, and I'm your host, Michael O'Connell. Hey, did you ever want to find out how to produce your own podcast? Well, you know, as you may know, I've written a book, Turn Up the Volume, A Down and Dirty Guide to Podcasting, and you can find out some details about that at uh, It's alljournalism.com. But if you also go there, you'll begin to see some videos that I'm creating about certain aspects of producing a podcast episode. So the first one has been posted this week. It's about how to uh, edit audio in the Audacity program, which is a program that you can download free online. So check it out. We're going to be producing more how-to videos like this about, you know, how to conduct an interview, how to, I don't know, edit episodes, post episodes online. If you have any questions or any topics that you'd like us to sort of discuss in these videos, drop us an email at editor at itsalljournalism.com. Otherwise, check out the video, let us know what you think, and uh, maybe start your own podcast.
0: What's Working in Washington podcast with your host, Jonathan Aberman.
1: We share this region's innovative, entrepreneurial, and creative spirit. This podcast tells impressive stories of passion and spunk taking place here in the D.C. region. It illustrates how the nation's capital is anything but the stuffy, bureaucratic, politics-only reputation it tries to shed.
0: The What's Working in Washington podcast. Find it on iTunes, the Podcast One app, onecom or at WTOP.com. Search Podcast D.C. The Target USA podcast with your host, J.J. Green. Russia could render a huge arm to this country.
1: North Korea's secret missile. That could touch the whole of the United States. ISIS. D.C. is repeatedly mentioned as someplace they would like to see an attack. This is J.J. Green. Join me each week for the latest on U.S. and international security on Target USA.
0: The Target USA podcast. Find it on iTunes, the Podcast One app, onecom or at WTOP.com. Search Podcast DC.